0: Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Drake Nelson and is a continuation of the series, From Weeping to Worship. So this morning, I'm actually going to be reading from Matthew chapter 26. So if you want to turn there, Matthew chapter 26, while, you're, while you are uh, turning there, I'll go ahead and tell you a couple of my Easter jokes this morning, get them out of the way real fast. Like, um, we need to hurry up and put, put put earphones on all the eggs. We don't want them getting cracked up or nothing. That didn't count. That was just, forgive me, please. That didn't count. Um, but no, did anybody have uh, the Easter Bunny come visit anybody this morning? Yeah, okay, good, good. Did y'all get some cool things? Yes, yes, okay, good, good. Um, I actually, funny enough, I saw the Easter Bunny this morning. Um, it was before breakfast. I was actually going to eat breakfast myself, and I walked in to the restaurant there, and I went to his favorite place, and there he was, of course. I thought he would be there. It's had a busy morning and a busy night, and so when I saw him, um, We were at IHOP, and so... (laughs) Was that a back or something? I mean, my gosh, my back certainly makes it so bad. Okay, well, anyways, we're we're in Matthew 26. We are in verse 53, and uh, if you would, I'm going to read. I'm reading from the NLT translation, and Matthew 26, verse 53, it goes like this. Don't you realize that I could ask my Father for thousands of angels to come and protect us, and He would send them instantly. But if I did, how would the Scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Let's pray. God, we pray for this moment. I pray that You would just speak through me just like to what this day means, you know. And here, here, and here we are on the precipice of this amazing day almost 2,000 years ago, God, and we still celebrate it all across our nation. I pray that you would do a work in us, that you would prepare our hearts, our minds, our, our ears so that we can hear, that we can understand. That I pray that you would just speak through me. Um, and if you're listening, I pray that you would pray for me in these next few moments that God would make me helpful, useful to you. And so God, we believe you can do all these things, God, and we love you so much. In your name I pray, amen and amen. So I don't know if you are probably wondering what this bad boy right here is doing. We got this from a thrift store, about $50, by the way, for this. And so that was good, you know. Um, I Venmo kept some money and we got this. But anyways, every single drawer that I have in here, I will pull out. And then I will read from Scripture like we just did. And then we will see how Jesus' life relates to our own. And so the very first drawer that we have today is life's uncontrollable circumstances life's uncontrollable circumstances and you know what this is right i mean you've been here where jesus has called your name and said hey look i can stop it i can send a thousand angels to come protect you but if i did how would my will be fulfilled life's uncontrollable circumstances i'll give you an example um right up here on the projector does anybody know what that is that's a brain scan, that was two cysts, actually brain bleeds, in um in Cat's head. <laughs> My wife. We a couple of years ago we was uh through coming through Yazoo, and we got in a really bad car wreck and after we got through flipping we both woke up and and the paramedics had arrived and the ambulance took us to Yazoo Baptist Hospital and shortly after there they had decided that black cat had two brain bleeds and they was going to airlift her to UMC and um, some more bad news recently, uh, like shortly thereafter came and that the helicopter could not land on top of the hospital to take her to, from Yazoo Baptist to UMMC. So they rush her by ambulance and then as she gets in, there's a trauma unit um, standing there around. And Kat says, I always tell the story wrongly and bad, but I'm going to tell it how I remember it anyway. So here it goes. And so as the doctors kind of surround her, that she looks and they kind of, go into their own rooms, and the head trauma surgeon starts to study this very image that you're looking at. And later, about 15 minutes go by, and she is prepped for surgery. She's ready, and they come in, and they ask her one more question. They say, "Cat, do you happen to be a twin? Is this something at birth? And she said, yeah, I am. And he said, I think this is not a brain bleed. In fact, I think this is a cyst, a spinal fluid us and i think at birth what happened is that spinal fluid from your backbone actually went into your brain and your brain brain just formed around that so i don't think you're in any immediate danger at all and now um, that was a long day but it turned it ended with good news and now every year we go to jacksonville florida to the mayo clinic and we just go get that checked out and hopefully this will never cause her any problems but We just keep and continue to just check, just check, just to make sure that it's never getting any worse. And I bring that up to say, many of you have been in a very much worse situation. It's not really about a a cyst on your brain, but it is a tumor, a diagnosis, a house that burnt down, a lost job something that you had no control over or nobody else had any control over. It was just, it was just life's uncontrollable circumstances. You tore an ACL. You, um, I think this is funny. Maybe you did make the cheer team in that instance, but maybe you didn't make the cheer team or you didn't make the baseball team or something came up that you couldn't control that is just what we like to call life. And life moves on. And some of you have had that happen, and so we find it in the Jesus story. And if left unchecked, I think, if left unchecked, life's uncontrollable circumstances can lay the brick that paved the road to a hill called Calvary if we are not careful. It will lead us to our breaking point. But there's next verse, it reads like this. It's verse 55. I love this. It says, Then, then Jesus said to the crowd, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come at me with swords and, and clubs and nine-irons and eight-irons and drivers and, and, and potters to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was teaching there every day, but this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the Scriptures and here's what I want you to get. And at that point, and at that point, have you ever been at that point, at that point where you could not take any more, at that point where you was about to give in? It says, at that point, his worst point, possibly in his life, yet this far, it says, all the disciples, disciples deserted him and fled. And my next drawer. It's a drawer called abandonment. Some of us, you know, we like to say a lot of times, like, we have abandonment issues, but, I mean, somebody walked out on us, somebody that we needed. Maybe our parents sat us down on the other end of a table and said, Mommy and daddy are getting a divorce, or it can stem from all kinds of things. Maybe our best friend left us and picked up, or didn't want anything else to do with us, or maybe our husband left and walked out, or maybe our wife cheated. I don't know. It's abandonment. We have these abandonment offloads, but put yourself in Jesus' shoes for one moment. I mean, Jesus um, being on the cross and as he is dying. Looks in his back pocket and says, Got my list. I know Simon's gonna be here. Simon, Simon, Peter, Simon, Peter, where you at? Peter? Peter? Simon? No. Absent? That's strange. Okay, well, um, his brother will be here. James, Andrew, Andrew, where you at? Andrew? Andrew? Absent? James? Absent? John, some of Zebedee? At, where you at? Any Anywhere? Front row? Back there in the back? No? No go? Bartholomew! Bartholomew, where you at, Bartholomew? No. And he just checked the list. Absent. The people that he needed the most were not there. And maybe you can relate. Thaddeus? Simon the Zealot. Anybody? Is anybody that Matt, the tax collector? Matt, Matt, Matt. Where you at, Matt? Tax collector. You'll be here, right? You know these Romans, no? Absent too. And everybody had left him. Oh, but church. There was one. There was one. You know who it was. He looked, and who did he see standing there, right beside his mother? He saw one disciple there, and it was disciple. John. And he said, John. John's there." And many times, God will send us a John, Moni. Many times, God will send us a John. Even when everybody else leaves you, there will be somebody who God has placed in your life for a reason, and they will help carry you on. But I want to tell you something. I'm like, and I was thinking about this the other day, how I would relate this. Even if every single body, like even if everybody else in your life has abandoned you, hey, won't your John. Hello. I mean, let me stop right there because um, uh, I, I, I know that you've already done this, but I know that you've on Easter morning you've already come through the door, walking through the praises of God I know you've already gotten your heart right this morning I don't need to remind you but isn't it an amazing thing that we are here today and that we are able to be here today and that we have forgiveness of sins and that Christ died for us and rose again I mean come on church isn't it an amazing thing that we can be here today and hello if you feel that when I am preaching throughout these next couple of minutes that you agree with something or if something clicks in you and you come alive or if you're like yeah, that is a testimony because what he is saying what God is saying rather through him I've walked through that I know what he's and that is true and you just want to say amen or give a little clap I would love maybe if I even God through me says something you just stand up and go like I mean I don't know where the ameners are in the room but if you are here like what's up I need I need you this morning Because we need a John in our lives. And I'm just here to tell you, um, come on, church. Let's give it, let's let them know. Let's let them know that if somebody's in this room this morning and they don't have anybody, they've been abandoned by everybody, that we will come and be their John, right? We will come where everybody else has left them and we will meet their needs. We will love them. We will be a friend to them and we will walk with them. Let them know, church. Where you at? Let them know. Where you at? Yes, yes, yes. I'm trying, Brandon. I'm trying, you know. <laughs> I ain't got the silverino with Chris Sullivan. Oh I don't know. We're trying though. Getting them. Uh we turn in the scriptures and we see in verse we see in verse 15, chapter 27. I'm gonna turn there now. Chapter uh Matthew twenty-seven verse fifteen. We see this. Whew! I've Take a breath. Now it was the the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one of the prisoners to the crowd. Anyone they wanted. But this year it was a certain notorious prisoner. I had to look up what notorious means. It says, well known for something bad. (laughs) is the dictionary definition of notorious. A man named Barabbas. And as the crowds gathered before Pilate's house, that morning he asked them, which one do you uh, want me to release to you? Barabbas? Or do you want um, Jesus, who is called the Messiah? And in parentheses it says, he knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. But just then, as Pilate was sitting on a judgment seat, his wife sent him this message. Everybody say, thank God for the wives. Okay, thank God for the wives. Yes, you just let me thank God for the wives. I love you. Happy Easter. Okay, this is your time. Okay, you can turn to your wife and say, I love you, and I may give you some cool Easter plans after the church today. I, I, I love you. I love you. There you go. Yeah, okay, just the pad. All right, I love it. I love it. All right, here we go. <laughs> I love you guys. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message Leave the innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders. How many of you know that there's a meanwhile in your life that yeah God may do some be doing something on this hand but meanwhile Satan is doing something on this hand have you ever seen the 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 meanwhiles in your life, that God is doing your work in this part of my life, but I'm still struggling. I feel like Satan still has a stronghold over here. Yeah, I've just got this new job, but Satan is, is working against my family. Yeah, I got some good things happening, but there's always a meanwhile. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders were persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released for Jesus to put to death. So the governor asked again, Which of these two men do you want me to release? That's my uh, different person voice. The crowd ch- shouted back, Barabbas! Pilate responded, Then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? And they shouted back, Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify, and... and I don't don't even have a drawer for this. I I couldn't even think of a drawer to even explain what's going on here. Because sometimes people will come at us in our lives and yell, "Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him!" They will try to crucify our reputation, won't they? They will try to crucify what we love. It's just funny. Um, in the way I see it, you have three basic types of people. You have you have Confidence and these are people who you like can really confide in, like your best, the best of friends, but you also have confidants and see confidants, confidants are the type of people that they're only with you to get to where you're going and so while you're going and while you arrive they are always going to be with you but as soon as you arrive or maybe change your direction they will change from you and they will leave you because they are not actually with you they are just with your direction and if you mistake your best friends in the world your confidants from your confidants you will always be let down but there are also this category of friends never get these confused when you have something good happen into your life just walk into the room and before just explaining how good these things are just, just give your good news and look around at people's faces if they're excited you can be they're probably your good friends but if they have jealousy that arises they may be your comrades but there's also this, this other type and this other type is the people that we see here who one moment they are, Hallelujah, praise the name of Jesus, let's put some palm branches on here. And at the drop of the hat, they can easily be persuaded. And now they are yelling, Crucify Him, crucify Him, crucify Him. Because other people's actions can sink very, very deep into our soul, can't they? Other people's actions can really hurt us. And I want to show you this. In verse 27 it says this. It says, um. Matthew 27, 27. Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and, and called out to the entire regiment. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Now this says scarlet. A lot of other gospels say they put a, uh, a purple robe. And so I was thinking about this. Like, Is one gospel right? Is one gospel wrong? Well, if you took a purple robe and then you bled on it, what color would that be? It would be more of a scarlet color. And so that's my rationale behind that. Maybe one saw it before and one saw it after Jesus had been beaten. But however, we got, they put a scarlet robe, verse 29. They wove thorn branches, barbed wire, (laughs) into a crown and put it on his head. And they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt down and they mocked and taunted him. "'Hail the King of the Jews!' And they spit on him and grabbed the stick and then they struck him on the head And when they were finally, I mean, they were just tired by this point. They'd been mocking Him for so long, they got tired. And when they were tired, they took off the robe and put on His own clothes again. And then they led Him away to be crucified. And this next drawer is something that we all, I think, face in our life. And this is so big that it takes up two drawers. And it's this. It's wounds and words. They mocked him. They beat him. Oh, we know from John, this is 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 interesting. We know from John that they beat him with a a like a metal tip lash. Isn't that like crazy if you think about that Jesus was beat with a metal tip lash? And that's what John says, but we think a lot of people think that he was beat 39 times. And the reason is is because Paul in the New Testament was beat 39 times. And the reason for that is that the Romans back in this day, they were given by their like head head, I don't know, head guy in charge, they were given... The order, hey, I want you to beat them. And if they are not beaten to death within 40 lashes, then you're going to die in their place. And so the Roman guard would be given this lead tip whip, and they would have 40 lashes to beat this guy literally to death. And so 39 then became the number of lashes that it takes to get you right to the point of death, but yet not kill you. And that's why many, many, many people think that he was beaten 39. I don't think it was that many but many theologians do. But other people's actions, their wounds, their words can carry a significant weight into our lives. But I want to show you this. I want to put yourself in the, in, in the shoes of, of Mary. Do you know how hard it must have been for like Mary? Um, um, who has a kid in here? Um, just raise your hand. Okay, Miss Tamara, I saw you. Imagine how hard it must have been for Mary to stand there and watch her son die. That had to have been, like, very, very hard for Mary. She didn't run away. She watched the entire thing. And I want to tell you that you need to have some friends in your life who will not run at the first side of trouble, but they will come alongside of you and be like, hey, I will, I will, I will watch. Those are very good friends if you would um, if you would turn with me to, um, to John John also tells us some stories in this whole thing that uh, I think will really help us turn with me if you would to John John 18 specifically um, John 18 verse 15 verse 15 And it says this. I remember, I remember, by the way, three years ago, I was, uh, I, 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 we had taken a trip turkey hunting to Texas. And as we try to do it every year around this time. And as we went over, we was going to miss that Sunday. And it was Easter Sunday. I remember I was sitting there. We were turkey hunting. And it was the coolest thing because the sun was coming up and I had one goblin. And the, the, the turkey popped up right over the ridge. And as it popped over the ridge, me and my brother, we shot it. And I got to feeling this thing when I shot in the back of my, like, shoulder here. And in the back of my shoulder, I got to kind of thinking, like, what is this? And I turned around, and I started digging in this tree. And guess what I found that was, like, lodged in this tree? It was a nail. It was about this long, super, super, super rusted, been there for super, super I don't know, years. And I thought to myself... On Easter morning, I would find in a tree a nail that's been there for years. I missed the turkey, but I mean, it was a cool experience anyways. And we got this, this whole idea in John 18, verse 15, it says this. It says, Simon Peter followed Jesus and did, um, as did another of the disciples. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to he had to stay outside the gate. And then the disciples who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching the gate and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, you're not, you're not one of this man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I am not. Now, because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it warming themselves as Peter stood with them warming himself. Now skip down to verse 25. It says, Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire warming himself, they asked Again, you're not one of his disciples, are you? He's not saying, no, no, I am not. But one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had, had chopped off, asked, didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? And again, Peter denied it. And immediately a rooster crowed. And, the, and, and, and one of the final things that we have in the butt basket. Today is this thing called yourself, And we look in our mirror and we try to get ourselves looking all right, just how we like it. And little do we know that it is our worst enemy staring right back at us in the mirror because it was nobody else's fault but it was yours you sent the pictures you drove drunk you had a choice to make and you chose wrongly it was your fault it's nobody else's to blame it's nobody else's wounds it's nobody else's words it's what you did and what you did now you're having to live with that do you see how this resonates in the story of Jesus and into our lives that we are to blame and to be honest with you like sometimes I feel like Peter always trying to gain affection in the wrong direction I mean I mean, I know that to live by their acceptance is to die by their rejection and I, I search for my own validation in my own glory and, and I, I go around thinking that I know where I'm going running in the right direction but the truth is is that I'm lost sometimes I feel like the Roman God just grabbing for garments at the foot of the cross but usually it's Peter who I relate to Peter who I find most confident uh, uh, similarities in because if you remember it was Peter who stood by the, the charcoal fire standing so close to the fire that he soon grew cold walking so close with Jesus that it's sad that I have to even ask um uh who who, who who, are you again? Good intentions, paving the highway to hell and fighting for the best. See, if I can be honest, so outspoken that it's, that it's outlandish, so disgusted by somebody else denial of Jesus that the rooster crowing reminds me of my own. And I know, I know, I know I should be better than this by now, but to be, to, 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 to be honest, I look at my own worst enemy in the mirror and thinking I can defeat him, I grab my sword ready to attack only to then realize it's my own ego staring back at me, skin and bone, having eaten, starved, and alone. Sometimes I feel like Sometimes I feel like the rich young ruler, you know? That I I become so comfortable in my own comfort that I think I, I never give enough. I never sacrifice enough. I never measure up. But mostly it's Peter whom I relate to. After having given my everything, I turn to Jesus. And anticipating His acceptance, I've reminded that I have forgotten that it was his grace that got me here in the first place it was his grace that called me clean that I will never nor could never do anything to earn his acceptance instead he doles it out in in plenty at the hill of Golgotha sometimes I feel like Peter I know that my example goes further than just my existence I know this and I know that I have failed but don't you gloat over me, my enemies because I will gain my confidence I will grow in my gaps I will gather in my faith and I will not be scared of the worries for tomorrow because I have a God who is calling me who has defeated every lion every bear in my past and the same God who did that will be the same God to take me into my future and now He is calling me causing me commanding me to breathe again hope again rejoice again give again trust again live again fight again rise again right here and right now in the name of Jesus I will live again and sometimes I feel like Peter but I know I'm not but I know I'm not I am Drake Nelson and you are staring and it was your it was your fault. But that's exactly why Jesus went to the cross. Hello. That's exactly why Jesus went to the cross and the last verse that I want to read, it's pretty simple. It's uh it's found in John 19 verse 28. And it goes something like this. It says that that Jesus knew that his mission was now finished and to fulfill the scripture he said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine was sitting there so they soaked a sponge in it and they put it on a, a hyssop branch and they held it up to his lips. And then Jesus tasted it and he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit and the very very worst of things happen and it is the very very worst of things that we face in our life and it's a little thing called death death of a friendly a family or a friend or a fan, or a brother, or a mother, or a parent, or a sister, or a cousin, or a dozen other things in your life that you wish would have been there that are not. And it doesn't even have to be death of somebody. It can be death of time. Time because of a crime or something that you did. It can be death of a dream or death of destruction. It can be death of something that comes into our life that we never saw, that we never foresaw, or never even liked but we grew fine, and now it's died, and now it's gone. I made a list, actually. Funny enough, um, of a couple of things, if you're wondering, not to say when somebody loses loses a uh, when somebody loses a loved one, and these are these are the things that I I talked with people, and they they told me these were the worst things that somebody said to me, and I've said them as well. So I made this list. And these are things what not to say when somebody is is has has died. Never tell their loved one, uh, "I understand how you feel." Never say that. If somebody says tells you that, Miss Melanie, um, you just can like karate chop them in the throat. I don't know. Or maybe kick them. Never say death was a blessing. Bad mistake. Okay. Never say it was God's will. I don't. Don't say it all happened for the best. I mean, these things may be true, but just because they're true doesn't mean that you need to say them. Like I could say, um, I'm so glad that you brushed your teeth today because your breath doesn't stink. um, Or you could tell me that. And it may be true, but you don't have to say it. It would hurt my feelings, and I'm sure it would hurt yours if I said it. You're still young. You have your whole life ahead of you. You'll feel better before you feel worse. You can have other children. Don't say you can always remarry. And this one got me. Never say this. I was so confused when I was going around asking these questions. Um, this one got me. Because time and time and time again, people would say this. Don't, t- don't say this. Call me when I can help. And I thought, that's strange. Why wouldn't, you, why wouldn't you say that? And I'll tell you why in a second. But never say something good will come out of this. At least you have another child. He or she lived a full life. Like one of my friends, he uh we had somebody pass away, I think she was eighty-nine. And I said, Well, how old is she? And then my friend said, Well, she was eighty-nine years old. And I said, Well, that you know, that's a good life. And he goes, So you're saying that it's good that, you know, that just because she lived eighty-nine short years on this life that's that, that she's gone. I said, No, I wasn't saying that at all. I was just saying that at least she lived a long life. Never say that, right? Uh uh It may be true, but it's, it's time to put it behind you now. Everybody heals differently. Be strong. Um, here, here are a couple of things to say, okay? Here are a couple of things I think that we should say instead. Instead of I understand how you feel, say I'm sorry. Instead of uh, death is a blessing, say I'm sad for you. Don't say um, a sentence. Ask a question. Say this, how are you doing with all this? That's a really good question. How, is, how are you doing? Gives them a chance to talk. I don't know why it all happened. I don't know, right? I don't know. I'm here and I want to listen. Please tell me what you are feeling. This must be hard for you. What's the hardest part for you? And instead of saying, call me when I can help, say this, okay? Instead of saying, call me when I can help you, say this. Say, um, so, so much better. Say, I'll call you tomorrow. I'll call you tomorrow. Much better. So you must feel angry. Take all the time you need. Thank you for sharing your feelings. These are just a couple of things you may want to say, a couple of things you may want to steer away from. But in all of these boxes, we see an ending that's very, very, um, very, very unreal. And that is in John, we have the, res, the restoration of Peter. And I love how they finish because what I just put in there, none of you can see it. You have no idea what it is. Because what's written on that paper is called past. And you don't know mine, and I don't know yours. And none of us completely know anybody else's past, but we all have one. And so how do we reconcile with that? There is a restoration. And if that's something you're dealing with, I want to show with you how you can be confident going through the fog. This way. Okay. It's good to know. Some of you are praying now harder than you ever have in your life, and you would not be alone. (laughs) I will join you okay now it's time for the uh leaning tower of pisa to be completed so everybody just pray real hard all right oh it's gonna fall let's see a little bit over oh it's gonna fall okay it's not there we go and then what and then it's gonna fall No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Because sometimes we need other people to help us carry our own cross, don't we? Sometimes we need other people to come alongside of us and say, Hey... I I can't deal with this right now can you really really help me and what this is an example for and what really helps me is that sometimes my plans will fall sometimes my cross will fall sometimes what I'm thinking for will like it will not happen but what this reminds me of is that there is a level to life called enduring because the author of Hebrews he says for the joys that was set before him Jesus endured the cross there was nothing good About Good Friday. Hello? The very worst day in Jesus' life is our very best day 2,000 years later. I mean, even the disciples with the most faith, the most pride, the most help would have just raised, would have waved their white flag on that day to say, I give up. I don't understand. I don't know what you're doing to this, God. God, where are you? God, can you help? But 2,000 years later, hello? They set out to kill Jesus, not knowing. That their very threats would saints like would, would carry in the kingdom of heaven. And hello. There is a level to life called enduring. And so when people come up against us, we can carry on. When some when we have to look at our own self in the mirror, we can push through. And there's this little thing that I want to show you that that sometimes in our life that we um That we think our greatest challenge is our own discipline, our own ability to be able to build a cross. And when somebody tries to come hold it, we say, no, we got it, we got it, we got it. But our greatest challenge is not the discipline or the devotion or the focus, but our greatest challenge is believing the gospel. I mean, could it be that there's a God with a love so scandalous, so vast, so, so high, so wide, so expansive, so so welcoming? I mean, just give me your sins, son. OK. And as I watched Jesus go and carry my cross, I reminded that that is still Jesus that it will always be Jesus, and that it will never stop being the power of Jesus. Because if His blood is sufficient for your salvation, His blood is sufficient to sustain you through every sin, through every challenge, and every single temptation. Jesus Christ is enough. No matter death or life's uncontrollable circumstances, no matter if it's you or your past or whatever else, Jesus is enough for you. God, thank you for letting us be here today. God, we love you and we thank you for everything that you've given us, for everything that you've done in this moment. God, we love you and help us learn to love you more. God, thank you for this day. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.